Welcome to episode 351 with my return guest, uh, Greg Barrett. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction, to everyday compulsive negative thinking. Uh, this show's not meant to be a substitute, oh no, uh, for mental counseling. Uh, I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that uh, that doesn't suck. Uh, the website uh, for this show is metalpod.com. Uh, Metalpod is also the Twitter uh, and Instagram handle that you can uh, follow. Um, don't forget PodFest. LA PodFest is this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, I'll be a part of uh, Murray Valeriano's uh, podcast, Road Stories, on Friday night. And then I'll be recording a live episode of this podcast on Sunday afternoon with uh, my guest, Andy Kindler. And then I'm doing a couple of panels and stuff like that. But if you're going to be in the L.A. area, go check out PodFest. It's downtown Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, For more info, go to uh, LAPodFest.com. And if you live in the uh, Twin Cities, I am coming there Saturday, October 14th to do an afternoon recording of the podcast at uh, Sisyphus Brewery and then be part of a comedy show that night at the uh, at the same place. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of shit in the news this week. Um, you know, I'm always torn when something tragic happens, like it happened in, in Las Vegas this, this week, because um, it... One of the things that irks me about our discussions around mental health is we wait until something really awful happens and then there's a flurry of conversations about it, but nothing concrete is done. And meanwhile, the media just pumps out sentimentality porn. Um, not that there shouldn't be victims or grieving, uh, uh sentiment, not that there shouldn't be um, an outpouring of sympathy for the victims and the families of victims, but it shouldn't be the bulk of the reporting. We should be getting underneath how is this happening so often in our country. And you cannot take mental health out of the equation. And I'm not saying that some of the people that have wrought this terror wouldn't do it if we threw every possible attempt to help them mentally but at least we'd be trying and I know we would be reducing violence in this country but we don't teach kids or parents how to deal with their emotions a lot of people don't even understand that There are no bad thoughts or feelings. You think and you feel what you feel. There's just healthy or unhealthy ways of expressing them. And um, that was something that didn't even dawn on me until I was in my 30s. Um, Why we're not teaching that at the youngest level, I I don't know. Uh, But I'm going to get off my soapbox. And uh, I, (laughs) I laughed at a phone robot this week. It made my fucking day. I was, uh, I was on the AT&T, uh, I, I was checking my bill through AT&T on my phone and it asked for my account number and I gave, 
I gave it the robot my account number and it said, Terrific! <laughs> we have gotten to the point where machines are now insincere. I, I've always been annoyed by corporations being dishonest and condescending, but when they take it to a level that is so extreme, it makes me laugh. I'm no longer angry, and it, and it makes me giddy. I think because when I'm condescended to mildly, I never catch it, and I just automatically feel stupid. But when it's so obvious, uh, it, 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 it fills me with, uh, with happiness. Um, and one other thought I wanted to, sh- to share with you is I was trying to describe how, how journaling uh, has helped me and why it's better than uh, and different than just sitting and thinking about what it is that you're going through um, or to do in addition to that. And the, 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 the way that I think I can explain it is... Um, I used to think that journaling was just writing down shit that I already knew. But as I began to journal, I realized that journaling is a way of uncovering the details and the breadth of something you already knew and the things that are underneath what you think you already knew the totality of. So to me, thinking about an issue or a situation it goes, the thoughts go by so fast and they're so generalized in my brain. It's like a bullet train going by at 200 miles an hour and trying to make sense of what's inside the train. Journaling for me is like the train is parked, I walk inside the train, and I meet the passengers on the train. And it's a huge difference. And it is allowed me to link cause and effect uh, on, on things in my life. It has allowed me to understand uh, when I've made too big of a deal of something or I've minimized uh, something. There's a power in, in slowing things down. That, I think that's my point. Anyway, I want to tell you about uh, our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Uh, if you have never tried online counseling, I'm a fan of it. I love uh, my my counselor. Her name is Donna. I've been uh, with her for about a year. Uh, and when I say with her, uh, we live together. It's a very special relationship. Uh, no, we've, uh, she's been my counselor for about a year, and uh, she helps me a lot. We're, we're currently uh, working on shame as a central issue in, uh, in my life. Uh, but if you want to try BetterHelp.com, go to BetterHelp.com slash mental, uh, complete a questionnaire, and they'll match you up with a BetterHelp.com counselor, and then you can experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is right for you. And uh, you got to be over 18 years of age, and I highly, highly recommend it. All right. Um, I'm going to read a couple of surveys, and then we'll get to the, uh, the interview with, uh, with Greg. This was um, Struggle in a Sentence, and this was filled out by Magic uh, Megan. And about her depression, she writes, An overwhelming emptiness and sadness that seeps into every thought I have. About her ADD, trying so hard to focus on something like a conversation or homework and seeing 
the most fascinating big red ball bouncing around that I can't help but think and talk about it. Uh, about her anxiety, feeling overwhelmed with life and the need to fight this monster that never reveals its face. About having borderline personality disorder, she writes, never knowing what feeling is accurate for a situation because there is always so many present and persistent feelings clouding my mind. Thank you for that, Megan. Um, this one was filled out by Levi, and uh, he writes about his anxiety. Anxiety is knowing you're a monster, but not when you'll transform. Uh, about, uh, oh, another one for anxiety is, it's like being naked at a friend's house and not knowing how to turn the fucking shower on all the time. Uh, depersonalization for him is like turning into an octopus halfway through a marathon. And then a snapshot from Levi's life. He writes, I start, I started dissociating so hard the other day that I thought, since I'm not in my body, I can never die. <laughs> Thank you for that. That, that is awesome. Um, this one was filled out by Cuban Rubin and he struggles with, uh, depression and anxiety and OCD. And uh, a snapshot from his life, he writes, After the birth of my first daughter, I was hopelessly depressed. I learned that there is documented evidence of postpartum depression in men, and that is apparently what I suffered from. Nothing made sense anymore. I was supposed to be happy and in love with this beautiful little creature my wife and I created together, but instead I was a sad, irritable sack of shit. After several weeks of suffering, my wife bravely told me that I needed help and that she wanted her husband back. I bawled my eyes out, made an appointment with a psychiatrist and started on some meds and ultimately got better. My wife may never know how truly grateful I am to her for literally saving my life as I believe I would be dead if she hadn't encouraged me to get help. Thank you for sharing that, Ruben, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad your uh, your wife spoke up as well. And uh, my ex-wife did me a great favor um, by nudging me uh, 17 years ago to to go seek help, and she didn't shame me for it. She did it very gently, and uh, and I knew she was right. And uh, I'm so glad uh, that was the beginning of uh, of a new life for me. And then finally, this is uh, from. Uh, same survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself smiling through shame and about experiencing racial or cultural bias. She writes, being black in my city, the city of Portland, is like being the mole on Marilyn Monroe. I'm so scared of being alive and so scared of dying. I was so, so lonely, but I couldn't bear being around people, and it hurt. I've just been, like, very interested in dicks. I don't know how to let loose and just be. All my alters have different handwriting and different... Extremely anxious. Affects. I am most turned on when I am in fear. My first thought was I'm about to die. Stomach-clutching despair. Ocean of sadness. I came out over the phone to them. I put myself on the Akinzaya in fourth grade. They told me I was wrong. The secrecy is what... Us. And I just sat there and cried on his shoulder. And it was the first time I ever felt safe, like a weight lifted off of me. In order to get rid of your anger, you have to learn how to cry. I started liking myself for the first time. I'm afraid that people are only nice to me because they're afraid I'll kill myself if they're not. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, Greg Barrett and I are here in my uh, very tiny bedroom 
There, should we call this? Uh, well, pa- poly- it, it's a tiny bedroom, but it's a big bed. It is a big bed. It's mm-hmm. a queen size bed. Uh, should we call this episode Paul and Greg in bed? Yep. Um, I, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with Greg, uh, which would be 99.9% of the population, oh why, do I, why do I come out swinging? I know. I, 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 think you've I? All, I also think you were too fair with that. <laughs> That was too kind. That is, yeah, that that's is, right. Because that, that, is, that would that would probably be uh, like a million people that would. Yeah, you know, sure. million I, would, probably, well, I would. I would take one percent of the population. That would I could easily live off a solid base of one percent of the population. Right? Greg, Greg, <laughs> Greg uh, wrote the book. Uh, he's just not that into you. Co-wrote it. Right. I co-wrote the book. He's just not that into you. Right. Now, do we, have you, they, or they're up to speed on what books are, right? Not really. Okay. So um, paper the, was invented. <laughs> yeah. Greg and I have been friends for, for, uh, for a while. Yeah. We kind of drift in and out of each other's lives, but you're the yeah. first person that I ever did the fear and love off with. Um, you've been on the podcast twice before. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I've just been feeling like I, I want to do an episode that is uh, has more humor in it. Yeah, has sure. More, sure, 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 sure. And the kind of the wake up call for that was you. You said to me the other day we were having breakfast or something, and you said, "Yeah, you know, I was listening to the episode, and I don't remember how you put it, but like I wanted to make sure you were okay." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what, well, I, well, because I, I, you know, I had listened to the podcast in the past, but I, I just had recently, I, I kind of wanted to, I needed to hear what you talk about on your show. I wanted to hear people in crisis and people mm-hmm. with problems or things they wanted to talk about or get out their chest or things that they had gotten over. Like I just needed to hear some of that. But then I realized like you are hearing that graciously like that's all being downloaded into you and you know i hear your monologues at the beginning and then you know you know that's one of my favorite parts and then i'm i'm like well he seems to be eating more ice cream and i i gonna <laughs> check in i'm gonna check in because that doesn't feel that feels like maybe he needs to have a lot you know that's a lot to take in especially because you are not a trained therapist so you know you you um um and you don't pretend to be, but you were dealing yeah. with a lot of people's, you had a lot yeah. of empathy. You're putting your heart out there. You're really giving people your love and they, boy, they are, when, they, when you give them the, you give them the go sign, they're like, oh, I'm coming. Here I come. Here's what I got. Hang on. There's more bags in the car. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> oh, wait till we get to leather. Like, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's a beautiful thing. But I, I just thought, oh man, I should. We should get together and have. I want to make sure yeah. people are chatting to you about bullshit, like about uh, nothing. Asking you about what your favorite shows are. Like I want to, I want to hear about some of that nice superficial stuff. You know, <laughs> tell me about chairs, buddy. Tell me about your woodwork. Let's talk about that. Uh, I, I'm so great to ha- glad to have somebody like you in my life because when. When we get together, I laugh so much. I have so much fun. I laugh more with you than I think I do with just about anybody uh, 
anybody else. Yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a rare thing. Like, if there aren't that many, same here. And I think that is a, that is not to be taken for granted. If there's someone in your life that makes you laugh or makes you feel funny or, mm. you know, fucking, make sure you put that time in too, because that just doesn't happen. There are people that are fun to be with or interesting or, you know, but laughing is, uh, I think it's more, un real laughter is more uncommon than we think. You know, there's a difference between being amused or having a chuckle, yeah. you know, than like going, oh my God, dude. My stomach hurts. Yeah. yeah, and only you're going to say that weird thing that I, you know. Um, but yeah, but I also found that, I also found that the podcast was super helpful, for, you know, like sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, I like to not hear about my problems. Yeah. You know, so like in hearing that somebody, you know, it's, I'm, I, that's what most of your listenership is like, oh yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, I was thinking about your show too. Like, How's the coffee, by the way? It's good. Yeah, yeah, solid. Good. good. It um, it's interesting to me because I can only imagine like to tell people that you like this show or that you really connected with this show. <laughs> somebody might go, "Which episode?" You know, because yeah. you know, because you're 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 talking about stuff that not everyone can talk about and right. when somebody connects with the show it's because oh my god my secret or my thing right and then they're like but if i tell people i like it they're my you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's not everybody's yeah. a you know yeah. some people i bet come you know come here to just quietly mm -hmm. hear their thing which shows do you like? I love every episode about childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. That, right, exactly. Oh my God, when he gets into, so there's this thing where I like to be touched with a feather duster, but my mom, so my mom used to masturbate me, see, and, and okay, <laughs> like, but, 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 somebody has to talk about it, yeah. and it can't just, like, I think not, it, it not just being in therapy, where you don't know that this is a thing that, like, like it's just like anything else like any fetish it's like anything that you like that you find out somebody likes it can even be a show it's just that thing where you go okay good i'm not alone yeah right or and, and be, just because you're like i find those topics uh to be compelling oh my god but yeah. it feels weird to use the word like <laughs> yes <laughs> you know what i mean well because right right Right, and and also we we always are afraid of how we're being perceived, and we don't know what we're going to yeah. say if we if we say something like that. But but to be and able deep to, down we all know we're dirty. No, we're filthy. Filthy we're is a better fucking, word. We're just trying to be good animals. Like we always are trying to be better than we're like we're so high. Like if we just reduce it, yeah. you're an animal that has feelings. Just that's it. But you're still an animal. You know, if we all really were like, I yes. mean, if we could sniff butt. I'm just saying yes. we could sniff butts and not, it wouldn't be a problem. Like, I feel like, yeah, we're, we we're, we're just really clean animals. 100%. And I'm sure God went, that was a mistake. Putting brain, like, I, that was, I thought maybe if they had feelings or ideas or they could ponder their own existence, they'd be okay. And I really should have stopped at the dog. Because I kind of got it with the dog. You know, they need people, but they, you know, but they have impacts. Like, but I man. should have given the dogs the thumbs. I should have given dogs the thumbs? Fuck yeah. Well, he tried with the dew claw. What is that? Yeah, that's the little, the little toe halfway up the leg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, oh, is that to, and what is that yeah, for? Yeah, that's not for knitting. That's not for knitting. Oh. <laughs> it's so, yeah. He started man. to give him a thumb and then he bailed. Yeah. yeah, right. And he thought, 
I don't want it to look like I bailed, so I'm going to give it a nail. I'm going to give it a really curly nail. So oh, my God. It, gonna, that's amazing. I was, yeah. There's design flaws in all of them, guys. I mean, you, you got to take a real quick look. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, some of them have handles they don't need. Uh, udders was, that was dumb. You know what I mean? Uh, but, I boy, I tell you, I wish I put the penises on the inside of people. That would have been better. They just come out. You know, but they stay inside. You just been make pants so much easier for everybody. Well, wear the same pants. Let's do yeah. some. Let's do some. Uh, what do you want to do first? Let's do fears first. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, and then we'll do, and then we'll do loves. Um, and we don't have anything written down, so we're just going to be winging it. Winging it. Um, I am moving shortly. And I am afraid that I'm not going to, that there's going to be some big surprise that I haven't anticipated. And I'm going to be like, oh my God, I'm trapped here. Oh, when you get to the, when you get to your place. Yeah, yeah. When you get to your place. As much as I love the apartment building I'm living in right now that has, cliched signs all around uh one of the ones i was telling greg they have uh, is a sign i kid you not that says don't hate the player who puts that on your apartment building who didn't know that wasn't going to travel like who thought this is forever their first their first one used the word the bomb and then somebody had to say no no that's that actually didn't even make it to this century and uh they probably settled on don't hate the player the guy whose idea that was has all of his cds and he is not letting them go (laughs) they're coming back i'm gonna hang on to my cd player it's gonna be 2002 very soon again and essentially what you're saying too with that slow like that's the one you choose the slow basically what it's saying is yeah i cheat (laughs) <laughs> i cheat yeah that's I just cheat. how it is that's how it is i'm a liar <laughs> i'm a liar that would actually be i would love to see that like those kind of slogans you know what i yes. mean like just written up there like negative self-belief yeah. slogans yeah yeah i'm half of all the things i want what <laughs> I'm not good enough to be good enough. What? There you go. That's one's for you. I don't deserve this elevator. <laughs> uh, what I see in the mirror is not only right, times it by two. It's not only right? It's right. What I see in the mirror is right. What I see, like all of oh, the, the things hideousness? I see. Oh, the hideousness? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Thought, anyone I... who sees good, anyone who thought, you mean like good stuff? You yeah. don't look in the mirror. Yeah, I think I, 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 the slogans are weird because it also feels like you're trying to be, you're sort of being indoctrinated, but right. like into like the, not even the, like, a, like a white rap band. Like you're right. being, yes. yeah, like you're being indoctrinated. Yes. To, it, it has the stench of white all over oh, it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You would never write those things down. Like, like by the time the ink has dried, people who are actually, on the cusp of being 
breaking new ground culturally right. have moved on to something else. Oh my God. That's the thing. When I'm, I mean, maybe it'll be like, um, you know, in 40 years, it'll be like seeing 23 Skidoo or, <laughs> you know, like all those old 40s, you know, things that I, from the old That's, 40s movies, those little catchphrases. I can't only think of that one. That's yeah. the only one I can think of. I don't know. Uh, groovy. Groovy. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. I love, I love watching a documentary from the 70s and everyone is overusing the word groovy. Groovy, man. Oh, it's so great. It's such a it's scene. It's so great. They say things, it's just a scene, man. It's a yeah. scene. It's a happening. Yeah. Yeah, the 70s was, I think the yes. 70s was the worst. For, I think the 70s, oh, I don't. And turkey, that was a good one. You, turkey. Yeah. Oh my God! And yet, I immediately thought of our president. I immediately thought of our president right now. The word why? turkey. I don't know why. Maybe he reminds me of a turkey, but that to me, I was like, yeah, he's that old. Maybe. I don't know. It just reminded me of the of a uh, of uh, Trump. He feels like a a, a holiday ham to me. That's what I used to say when I was in the movies and uh, somebody was overacting. I'll go, oh, man, you smell that pineapple? Somebody's cooking a holiday ham. <laughs> and then my friend goes, that phrase is working overtime. <laughs> and I go, now we're talking about the phrase. Well, yeah, we're not paying We're, we're getting we're not too, way too meta. Yeah. Uh, give me a fear. Uh, I am afraid that I, this is very real. I'm afraid that I will die before I finish getting better. Greg has, uh, had stomach cancer. I had stomach cancer, which I, uh, a gastrointestinal, uh, non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma, uh, which I have, uh. Can't they shorten that? Don't they know how inconvenient that is? You know, that's its problem, I yeah. think, is that they haven't got one of those cute nicknames. Can't they, like, P. Diddy it or something? I mean, well, it's a non-Hodgkin lymphoma. I think yeah. that's like, you know, and then B. cell is, you know, yeah. um, it's lymphoma. I have lymphoma. Yeah. But then people go Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's. And then... Uh, belly limp? Is you it, call it belly limp? Belly limp? Yeah. Um, He's rocking belly limp. Oh man, I speaking got some, of dated terms, I got some <laughs> rocking. I am rocking some real B cell limp, a B limp. I got some B limp in my, uh, but I don't have it anymore. So that is uh, that is good. But I, but fortunately for me, and also for you, the listener, um, I have uh, just had my prostate biopsy. So I'll find out in a week how that's going. I'm not really. I'm. I'm. I'm not afraid of. Um, uh, I never have been super afraid of dying. That mm -hmm. is not my fear. My fear is that I won't have a, I won't be in the right place with the people that I love the most. Uh, because I've, you know, I'm, I'm recently, uh, you know, put myself back together. So I'm wanting. Cause you, you, you went through some, some struggles with your sobriety as well. Well, yeah, I was able to, um, I was able to, uh, get, and you've been sober now for a year and a half, yeah. but I, but I, uh, during, uh, the, uh, cancer, uh, little B cell, uh, even though it's large, little, little B, little B, that, B that's what we call it. <laughs> little, little B, B. little B. Um, I, uh, 
I got myself uh, knocked up with OxyContin. Is that is that addictive? Well, they're saying they think it might be. Uh, it could be mental. Because the pharmacies, uh, the pharmaceutical companies, uh, the big selling point was that it uh, wasn't addictive. And why would they lie? They wouldn't. Those are some of the most, they, but they, in insurance companies, those are some of the most honorable people in the country. No, so yeah, it was a bummer. Um, but I don't blame the cancer and I also don't blame them. I, you yes. know, I have the responsibility and I wasn't, uh, uh, working. I didn't have anyone in my life. And you were I, an addict before that, so. And I've, yeah, for, yeah. But I knew better. That's the worst part is I knew better, but I, um, um, uh, when some people might say I didn't want to live. Uh, but if we don't hang out with those people, um, <laughs> and because they've been fucking, they're a bummer. But um, yeah, so I uh, had that happen, and then I, uh, you know, woke up and went, "Well, this is a mess. It's a fine mess." And I would call that a midlife crisis that lasted from about 2011 to now. Mm-hmm. So it's been a journey. What color Corvette did you choose? Uh, I, mine came in the shape of a Mini Cooper, so I didn't, I didn't do a very good job. I picked a black Mini Cooper with a checkerboard roof. I mean, I might, I didn't even get my midlife crisis right. Uh, I got a smaller car. Like I really, I mean, I'm very confident mm-hmm. with my, you know, that just shows you the confidence I have in my penis. Yeah. Uh, I didn't need to get a bigger car. Uh, I, but, uh, I recommend a Harley because it's good for people uh, a block away to be able to hear your midlife crisis. I want people to know when I'm home and when, yeah. <laughs> when I've left. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, like, I will say, you know, there is a, it's a very real thing. I think the midlife crisis is sort of written off as a sitcom trope. Um, but it's very real. And I don't, and I think because men, especially old white men are meant to like, yeah. Oh, oh, tell us your problem. Right. And I, and I get it. Like, you know, as an old white man, I understand, but I do feel as an old white man is my responsibility to all men to let them know, Hey man, this shit is real. You have some sort of a hormonal change or there is a sudden realization that life is only so long. And it's not the, See, the problem is it gets, this is, we were talking, we were just going back and forth about fears. Now I'm mm-hmm. giving a lecture. No, it's okay. Finish your, <laughs> finish your thought. Just let me know so I can wake up when you go. <laughs> but then who will wake me? Cause I'm sleep talking through this. <laughs> I do think it's a very real thing. I think it really should be studied and regarded, but it's very hard to even put a man's study out there now with people just la- laughing it off. But if you're a dude and you are in your forties and you are inexplicably sad or you feel cheated for no reason because you shouldn't feel it. Like you look at your life and it looks fine, but you feel cheated. It's a thing. It is a hormonal depression. There is the the fact that even if you had red, you wish you'd gotten black or didn't know that you wanted purple, you'll convince yourself that you wanted things you didn't want. Um, uh, and you might want to take that to a therapist or a group or a friend soon, but don't let anyone minimalize it you know the buying of a car is just like when somebody goes and buys a big car for example it's just an anchor they're trying to buy an anchor they're trying to hook themselves not to their youth they just want to you know they're not enough Mm -hmm. so their identity needs to be solidified or they feel like they owe themselves something you know or i mean every once in a while you can just afford a really cool car but you just (laughs) you're just not you're just too old (laughs) 
for it. You know? <laughs> buy some cool furniture. Buy some paintings. Do something that... Buy some other thing. Cars really are like pants. You're like, those are too tight. What's your fear? Okay, you, you started to say it. You're afraid that you're not going to survive. I want to give my wife the version of me that I know exists that she has not gotten to have before I go. Mm. So I'm like, I want to be the guy. I want her to... Aren't you that now, though? No, because she's... I think she's unsure. He's only been here for a short time. <laughs> I see. But, you know, you want to you want to be consistent enough yeah. in the guy safe. that, that, that you've grown safe. into. Yeah, that that she can go. Okay, I'm this just is... trying to keep the distance between her meeting somebody new afterwards longer. <laughs> I want to make it harder for that guy. That's all. I just want to make it harder for that guy. Right, because if she only got a day of good, Greg. She's not going to have that memory. She's getting laid by somebody else at midnight of but, your funeral. Can I tell you something? My mother was a fantastic person, but she was an alcoholic. And my bad memories of her are much more pronounced than my good ones. Yeah. And But we did have a great, when she, was, when she was diagnosed with cancer, she got four and a half years out of it. And those four and a half years were great. And I love her. But I really have those old memories. Yeah. And I just, and I say more shitty things about her than I do good because they pop out. And I don't want that, to, and I understand it. And so I'm like, I, I I don't get to control how people feel. Also, they're you know, Amira's not me. But I just want an irrefutable man. He really got great there, you know. Mm -hmm. At the end, he was fucking that 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 last four years, whatever it is, whatever, mm -hmm. however long, maybe it's fifty. But that that last chunk was awesome. Yeah, you know, my girls will always love me because I'm their dad and I, you know, they don't have the same relationship. And so they, and, and, I've, and their standards are lower and they're much lower and they're just stupid. But <laughs> I was always get to able to get it together for them. Like they saw the least of my bad behavior. And I was always, I was always able to be, even in my messed upness, I was always able to pull it together to be around them. I used the same, uh, behavior that I would use for friends, but when you have a wife for some reason, or when I have a wife, I'm like, no, you're the person that I can dump all this shit on, right? Because you're my buddy, and I can be this person. And you're like, no, that's not how that works either. You, no, so now I have a place to take that stuff. South Sophia, I, I, I like, by the way, too, that um, I tagged your existential existence fear with my shoes are a little cramped <laughs> that's but, that's how paul supports his <laughs> his friend who's waiting to find out if uh, he has prostate cancer yeah uh, well, by the way when they check for that do they use a used condom on a broom handle or is you, that just the guy i go to uh, no well I, you know what? I actually don't know because I didn't look. So they might, I don't know what, what they, they, that's very possible. Okay. Um, I feel like they might have used a staple gun, uh, <laughs> stuck to a hockey stick and then they pulled back and forth like they were trying to unlock a car with a coat hanger. <laughs> that's what that felt like. All surprising, all awful. 
Yes. They said, uh, I've had it checked. Down. I've had it checked, but I've never had a biopsy oh, from there. Biopsies, it, yeah. Oh, you got to get, get a core sample. It's a fucking. It's awful. It's awful. But um, um, uh, I'd rather know than you know. I'd rather you know. Just the idea of somebody going inside your butthole to get a core sample from way further That's, up than you know, and when it when they do it, it's like it feels like a hole punch. Right? They do like a ka-tung. And it, it feels like it jabs in and pulls out, right? It pulls. Yeah. Uh, you don't have. I can't verbally share the experience with you because we don't have a catalog for the words to describe a feeling you've never had before. Because why would you? How often is anything it's, even remotely it, like that? It's just a series of grunts and whimpers. But also, like you see stars, like you. It's so shocking because it's in a place. You've never you felt get. pain before, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the, yeah, no, it, no, it was really like, I don't, yeah, Oof. <laughs> not good, not good. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. My turn. Uh, I am afraid. I'm afraid that whatever discipline I have in my life right now is slowly ebbing away and i'm gonna be that person that when you drive by their house it's like the nine foot tall weeds and (laughs) and you go oh god the neighbors must hate that guy (laughs) he must be so depressed or drunk oh my god so (laughs) every neighborhood has one of those we moved in across the street from those people when we lived over on Tahunga, the house yeah. you went to before. And the whole neighborhood was pretty pretty nice to very nice. Great right? neighborhood, yeah. And then just a house from like, like it didn't look congruous. The windows were dirt taped up and there were sheets and it was like, it seemed like there was a cloud over it. Like it just was. And everyone, I, I, th- I talked about the other podcast that, the garage door would open at night and a guy would go, God damn it, John, no! <laughs> and then, why? You know, like just this weird fight about, you know, just that weird drunken fighting. And then, yeah. like the rest of the neighborhood is like the pot. Yeah. And then these, this family that seemed like they were from another, out of space. Uh, all right, what's your fear? I'm afraid that... Um, Sort of what you're saying. I'm afraid of just having debilitated sensibilities, like losing touch with the world, with what the world's really about. Becoming like I, more and more isolated and warped perspective on yep, your place. Stuck in, in stuck, you know, stuck in my ways, um, unwilling to accept new ideas, to have a resistance up and not understand that I have a resistance up. Uh, here's a really stupid one, but, uh, I'm afraid that, uh, one of my toes is getting an ingrown toenail. It's so stupid, but it's just, it's, it's hunkering down. Does it hurt? It's hunkering down. Not yet, but every time I go to clip it, I have to peel it back almost like a, you know, like when Mm. a dog is eating Mm. something that it's not supposed to be eating and you grab it by the collar and... (laughs) And it just keeps fighting you. It's like that, with but digging into my skin. <laughs> That's fuck. That is so vivid. That's so vivid. Do you uh, have you ever gone to like a 
like a doctor for, like there, there are people that look at that shit i don't right? believe in self-care oh i don't believe in self-care that, yeah, that's gonna save you a lot of money yeah yeah i've known some people who have been very successful at that yeah i mean they're no longer with us but <laughs> they they really they went for it and they did it i have an elbow that has been bothering me for three years good don't get that yeah. looked at yeah i can't bring my right arm up over my ear so I don't. I just throw sidearm now for the dogs. Yeah. I can still throw pretty far, but I can't. Because here's the thing: as you get older, you go. I basically know what the diagnosis is going to be, and I can't afford yes. either the surgery or the time. Yeah, I'm willing to give it up. I don't need my elbow. I don't need to bend my arm. But here's the thing: can I get around it? I have been for three years. Yeah. So, and that is the truth. Like, and part of it, I. Like because when you see people get things fixed and you're like, but you spent seven months in a shoulder brace, you seem even un more unhappy, <laughs> and I still don't think you're gonna pitch in the majors. So why don't you let that go, Gramps? Give, you me, know? A give me a fear. Uh, I. I am a, a, I'm a little bit afraid of the future for my kids. Just a big general. I really don't know what to tell them about what to do with their lives in terms of like when I was a kid, it seemed like there were some very clear routes to maybe unclear. They may or may not have been right, but it seemed like there were real routes to success. Right. You got to go to college. And now it's. For, for a I lot of people, you, it's... Uh, I don't know yeah. that you do. And I don't know that you need to go to... An, uh, uh, and this is not a money thing, but I don't need know that you need to go to a major university. Like yeah. I... um, And I don't know, Daddy, should I be a lawyer or be an actress? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that there aren't any... She could pretend to be a lawyer and cover both. I mean, shit. Yes. And then just do just it an, online. Yeah, just an empty briefcase. Walk around. Just use the word herein. She could just lot. do tort reform as a YouTube channel. Like, I, Oh, that'd go viral. I mean, it's so funny. So this is what's so interesting. We will be the judge of that. Well, <laughs> fair enough. See. Yeah, your track see, record see, is questionable. I was gonna write, here's a fucking asterisk. See earlier comments. <laughs> Yelp review his earlier comments. You will not want this one. We keep giving everything away for free. Yeah. So true and I are digital content. You mean everything education. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like I start thinking about what I remember from college and I start thinking about, man, you know, you listen to four or five podcasts about like when Dunkirk came out and I really wanted to see it and I didn't know much about the battle of Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to three podcasts and then I went and read about it online and it's more than I ever remembered from history. And it took me a little bit of time and I got a, and not only that, but then I got a great, you know, there's still a background in world war two and all this other stuff. And it took me a day. And True was was studying and reading about the Reformation, and there are these guys. They're called the Blog or Vlog Brothers, mm -hmm. 
and they have a thing called Crash Course where they explain history to you. And it's a YouTube thing. And it's an incredibly intelligent guy. And you go through the Reformation and he does it pretty thoroughly in like 25 minutes. And there's little animated things and he's opinionated and it's mm -hmm. like a professorial thing. And I go, I know this isn't college. I know you don't have to write a paper and do deep mm -hmm. thinking and all that stuff, but you have picked the knowledge up very quickly in which you are able to then make it like true has a better understanding of that now than I did. Oh yeah. And I think the, the, the way that you approach what it is that you're studying has everything to do with it. If you're learning about it because you want to expand your mind and you're genuinely interested in it, you're going to retain it way more than you're, when you're reading it going, I wonder if this is going to be on the test. Right. But we're asking people to read as though that is the final way of getting the as, information that, and that no longer is the truth. Yes. And insects, I'm afraid of also. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's do the loves. Yeah. I love when you encounter somebody who is more of an apologetic people pleaser than you are. Not you personally, but than, than I am. You know, the hunched shoulders, the apologizing for something that isn't even a slight or wrong. And you're like, oh, man, that was it their mom or their dad that was an alcoholic? Right. Oh, man. And yes. But I find I, I, I find it uh, I find it disquieting sometimes because I think you got to I'm like, when you, you got to you got to you can't, you can't, you know, uh, I, I get war. I get those when people make me nervous because I'm like, no, stop. Like, yeah. You too, absorb their anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And that's got. Yeah, that's hard. I'll tell you what I love. I. I love people that can shut other people up. That's a good one. I love watching somebody shut somebody up. Yeah. I love somebody who can, when a person, like in a meeting or some place where people are, somebody's just filibustering and the other person just shuts them up. The bravery it takes. Mm -hmm. I can't shut up people. I'm, I'm very bad at that. Yeah. I had to say one time to a friend, uh, Somebody from a support group, uh, I said, we have been at, it was just him and I, and I said, we've been at coffee now for 45 minutes, and you have talked for 44 minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. What did they say? He, he paused, and he went, thank you for, he said, I'm sorry, thank you for, for pointing that out. Uh, wow. And, uh, and I said, honestly, it's a lot, it's a lot of times when you call me and I don't call you back, it's be, it's because, um, it's not a conversation. And I, I said, I love you, you know, because I do love this guy. I care for him. But, um, that was, that was growth to be able to, to say that. I'm marveling at that. Cause I'll, I, I will get. If I can't escape or address that, people like that in my life, if I can't escape them or address them, uh, uh, it's a matter of time until I'm drunk. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say you just never call them back. <laughs> because I, that's what I do. I, About every I, fifth call, I pick up. 
from him. I'm not kidding. No, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I have that too. But I also picked those people. I, and I called my sponsor the other And my buddy, I said to him, man, I, I just, I read a guy's script for him. I gave him a note and he yelled at me. And he yelled at me in a way that is not cool. And I didn't know what to say because we've become friends. And I, ah, man, why? And I'm the bigger question is I've put these people in my life mm -hmm. a number of times. And I seek their approval. And I, but at the same time, I don't approve of, it's like, oh, man so complicated and it's a pattern i'm dying to break yeah. like i am like give me the keys because i can't receive uh, or what is wrong with me that i can't stop that person from unloading on me yeah. or they'll unload a problem on me and that mm -hmm. and then i'll start to my problem is that i go into like oh here's what to here's mm -hmm. what you should do and they didn't ask a question they're just unloading because yeah. i i forget if you haven't asked a question, I'm, I don't have to give you an answer. Or why am I answering? Was he unloading on you personally or just unloading about their frustration? It's, he does both. Mm -hmm. And But you didn't stick up for yourself and say, uh, the way you're talking to me is uh, no. not right? No. Not cool? No. Because yeah. I felt like I'd hurt his feelings with the note that I was trying to give. And mm -hmm. the reason I hurt his feelings was I gave him a... a not a good note. I gave him a a, a half-assed note because what I really wanted to say would have hurt his feelings. Yeah. Right. But my my note was very like. Um, there wasn't a diplomatic way to express the truth no. of of the answer to the question that he had asked you. No, because it's the it's the thing you want to. It, it's one of those things where you you say I I can tell you what it was. It was it was a. I, you know, you've read this script before. I was like, I just don't care about anybody. I don't. You can't say that. I I couldn't at the yeah. time. I was like, I I wanted to say I. Because he'd already told me why I did care about them, and also that I didn't understand the genre before I'd answered the thing. Like it just was. Uh, I don't like this person. But, the, but I do. I do not like this. I, I guess, this person. I, it sounds yeah. like they just wanted their ego stroke. Like they just wanted to be complimented. Right. Or they agreed wanted, with. But. Yeah. And I put myself in those situations though. But, and that's the thing that I'm already at myself going, well, this is what you get because yeah. you put yourself in the situation again. I was, uh, I've shared about this guy before uh, on the podcast, but there's a guy who is, has a history of being uh, really violent in, uh, in our hockey league. And he got tossed out of, uh, one of the leagues and he was he approached me after a game in the other league which he's still playing in and and said essentially uh you know would you tell the guy that runs the other league that you know that i'm playing clean now because he didn't run and you know take a run against anybody in the game that we had just played and i said um well and he knows that i had written a note to the league before saying this guy's unsafe and he he you know i said essentially well playing one game clean isn't uh you know an indication that somebody has completely changed and and honestly the problem isn't 
and they had beat us like 10 to 1. I said, the problem isn't, the problem is usually when you're losing that you get angry. And he wanted to know, you know, what, you know, name any, and I just listed off all the times that he had done. I said, you know, you grabbed the back of my head one time and bounced it off the glass. Another time my head was down and you ran me full speed and almost broke my neck. Uh, well, why didn't you tell me? You know, he just kept turning it around on me. Right. And he just started, you know, l- lecturing and, and, and talking about how, you know, unfair this all is. Or I, I don't remember, but I stopped him and I said, I can't have a conversation about this because you're not interested in here. You're not hearing anything that right. I'm, that I'm saying. And we'll have to agree to disagree. And I walked away and I felt really clean. He was pissed. He was pissed. And the next time I played him, um, he, uh, I, we were just getting ready for a face off and I realized I'm pretty exhausted. I better have, you know, a teammate come on for me. And so I, uh, you know, I called out for the other defenseman to come out. And as I skate by him, he goes smart move, you know, like he was going to, you know, and and I, you know, I wanted to react to that, but I just went, you know what? He has his own reality. I have my own reality. And all I can do is stick up for myself, speak my truth diplomatically. And I felt really good about it because I didn't back down. I didn't let him, um, uh, I didn't do anything that I didn't want to do. no. No, and he didn't sink to his level. And that is a guy who is, sadly, he's fuming all the time. The voices in his head have him so upset and so yes. angry. And they were telling him, man, you have got to get yours. You are being yeah. fucked with, man. Yeah. That guy just fucked with you. Knock him down. Like, his whole reality is that guy never shuts up in his head. I'm not saying, like, uh, in, uh, right, wrong, or different. He... Uh, and I've experienced no, moments of that, of being, totally, that, guy, of being I, that guy that sees red and thinks the only way I'm going to feel any kind of peace is if I show that motherfucker and I hurt, right, hurt right. him. Because right. in his head, he's like, people think I'm small. They think I'm weak. Yeah. They think I'm fucking can be taken advantage of. And they yes. fucking, you know, and they kick me out of this league because I'm fucking too, because I'm good at this. Is what, you know what I mean? Like there's that whole thing and it's a fucking horrible place to be so i get it too that's why i'm saying i i it's not hard to identify with a guy like that so in your head you go what i respond to personally i'm fascinated with anyone sets a boundary with me you know my wife will do it my daughters have actually done it where they set a boundary and then i'm like oh hey i'm in awe <laughs> you know and b respect you know and then I'm like, because my whole, one of my arguments to my wife all the time is like, well, I don't ever set a boundary. Yeah. <laughs> With anyone. Fair enough. I like. That is. The, the <laughs> yeah. She shouldn't set a boundary because I don't ever set a boundary. Mm, that's, that's not a good advertisement for being a person. <laughs> Greg Barrett, I don't set boundaries. Available now. Completely available. No boundaries. <laughs> Give me a love. I television. Right now, I am I'm having visceral relationships with I'm, I'm having those uh like um 
I've had a couple moments in the last six months where a TV show has become like a friend, like a thing that I'm like mm. grateful for or feel like there's a hidden lesson in it for me or something I'm getting from it that I'm like, I want to find the people that I finally understand that thing where I don't want to be friends with them, but I want to write a thank you letter to like Daniel Levy that created Shit's Creek. Like I want to write, you know, I want JJ Abrams or anyone on mm -hmm. Lost. Like I had that thing where I'm like, I, I you won't even understand the experience I'm having. Cause mm -hmm. it, 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 it it's only, you know, it's, I, I got to share that with, uh, um, at a coffee shop, Daniel Day Lewis was there oh. one day and I got to, uh, tell him how much I love uh, his work and he was super gracious. And then I continued babbling like a five-year-old with pigtails, yeah. uh, that had a crush on him. It was, <sighs> I, I'm so at odds with that. I, you know, it's so funny because in my head. My sister used to just, every time we'd see somebody, anyone famous, she'd freak out. I go, you live here. I go, you were in management. But, and she would always make it too, I was like, you know, so I had a reaction about it, right? So I was like, oh, I'm not that. Right? So when you have a sibling, you're like, well, see, I'm the opposite of that. I'm super cool. I don't even want to know them. But that's not true. And there are people that I see and I go, I don't know what this is. It doesn't even feel, I'm not me. I'm not yeah. the guy that it won't stop, but you, you touched me in a way. And I know this is momentary. We're not meant to be friends. And I want you to know this thing happened mm -hmm. and it was cause of you and I'm grateful or in awe or, and it, and I used to be very like, if people were nice to me about something I did, I'd be like, Oh, okay, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I realized you just go, just let it happen. Just let them say their thing. And yeah. Say, super nice to meet you. And like, just let, just stop. Let them, because I think they have to get it out. Mm -hmm. They want to get it out. Yeah. They really have, like, you know. It's so, a way for them to be seen, too, because it's a way of saying, um, I, not only do I see you, but because what you did so deeply re resonated with me that, there is a connection here and the world really isn't as big and disjointed as it feels right. like it is. Yeah. And it's hard to do that without scaring somebody because it's a lot. It's more mm -hmm. than you give people in a friendship normally, mm -hmm. like right away. That's why I do it with charades, which can be a little long. Oh, you do? You it do? can be a little long. You hold up one finger. Go, hang I hold on. up okay. one finger, three Two syllables. Three syllables. Starts yes. with. Yeah. I really actually want to see that. Yeah. I want to see you approach celebrities with compliments, but you're going to make them work it out. Yeah. And there's a timer. Oh, it yeah. has to be a timer. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, I'm, I was standing at the curb with my guitar and John Doe from X was just suddenly standing next to me with his guitar. Mm -hmm. And I, I was an out of body experience. I saw myself and I was saying to myself, stop, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. Because you were talking to him. I, I don't even know what I was saying. Yeah. I don't even know what I was saying. I was telling him I'm certain things he already knows about himself. <laughs> Shows he was certainly, and like, I couldn't, I didn't even know I had that in me. I don't, I wasn't thinking about John Doe till he was there. And all of a sudden I remembered every experience I had with X mm -hmm. and I just couldn't stop. And yeah. he was so nice about it. Yeah. And he was like, he said something about me, like, look at us coming back yeah. from playing gigs or something. He made me seem like, you know, but, um, 
And then did you ask him to apologize for being in Roadhouse? Uh, I did. I, did, you demand a, did you demand a written apology? I had him do it in charades. It comes full circle. I had to have him do it in charades. Let's do one more love each. Okay. Um, I love... I love a perfectly intonated guitar where the a chord sounds as sweet at the low end of the neck as it does at the high end of the neck. And you hear like you'll you'll pick a note and you hear like all of the overtones of it. Yes. You hear it it's it like chimes. Yes. It's chimey. Yes, and it's rare that it, yeah. you know um but there are, i you know i have certain guitars where at one part of the neck it's all good and then it and then all of a sudden you're like why yeah or i, I but we were just in the right key <laughs> i thought you loved me what happened to us um yeah i love i mean guitar i just i uh is guitar I have to say, I have a genuine affection for my uh, bicycle. Uh, Which like you I, ride every day at four in the morning. Yeah. You ride 20 miles. Yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a cruiser. And, and that's it, been a big part, an, of, probably, a big part of your uh, recovery. It, it's, it was the beginning of my recovery. It was yeah. like my, um, I heard someone talk about this one day where they were like, I, I, I said I, I didn't want to do anything anyone suggested. I just thought I'll keep running. I'll just do that. And so that was my, I think, my, my attempt at... Self-care. Get, and getting back. Yeah. That had to happen first, oddly enough. Um, and, and, it, and then it was on a bike ride that I was able to give myself the rest of my sobriety to say, okay, now why don't we, why don't we go see everybody? Yeah. <laughs> We've ridden the bike for a while. We can ride a bike. We're not going to get better than... We can't get better here. Yeah. But now I have this relationship with it because I think I told you this. I I fought my my instinct as a as a uh, an alcoholic is to um, you know because alcohol you know says you know, you get rid of alcohol and it goes oh did you think I needed alcohol to kill you right right we talked about that the other day yeah. you know I'll I'll do it with gardening I'll bury you in the yard <laughs> I'll make you do something till you hate it and it kills you. And I was like, I know all of my rituals with things like with guitar. Well, then I have to get a better one and then I'm not good enough. And then I got to play harder and then this won't like that. So I just keep making the bicycle fail me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't do it. I'm like, I don't have to go on a long ride every day and I don't have to go every day. And I don't always have to go at 4am and I can stop for a week and it can still be a thing that I do if I pick it up and I can go four miles and I can go 45 miles. It's the same thing wow and i want to let the bike tell me we, i never make a plan we just get on it and i swear to god the bike decides what how long it wants to go the bike is i'm always i'll be like uh, <laughs> like i literally go i don't think i can go long today and then i go two hours and some days i go i'm gonna fucking and uh, seven that's it coming back like i just and i've been doing it for well over a year now and and um um and it's and so, and I, I see the bike and I feel like it's an animal. I have two of them. I bought another one because only because the guy at the shop went, you keep coming back in here. You got to get a second bike. You just will. 
every guy that rides a bike has at least two yes. and because you'll come in this will have to be here for a week you'll lose your mind yeah um but i haven't changed it since then so but yeah i yeah genuine respect i clean it every day like i yeah it's very strange yeah that i i, I those little things add up like you can see my bed is yeah. made i had made my bed for since childhood and about a year ago when i when i my wife and i split and i moved out um i started making my bed and it was just a good way to to start my day because it was like a way of doing something nice for myself and proof that i can't have structure yeah in, in my life and when i come in to the bedroom and it's made i don't know there's it's just like a little sign that says um you can keep your life together i have to i've told you my i i saw a very famous person they were asked to was it me it was, it was just a little bit more famous, just yeah. like a touch tough guy and he was sure uh, it wasn't me i uh it might have been you okay because um, you're hitting all the buttons are, well that's it yeah i mean very similar if but, it wasn't you it was yes. a guy it was a guy like you yes. a guy who wanted to be like you right because um, you hadn't said chiseled yet chiseled yeah it was me it was <laughs> it was ripped yes um he was uh he was asked to share what's the like one corny thing that what's a if you had to attribute a corny phrase in your life uh, that keeps you uh, together uh, and he said uh, oh, I hate it it's um a messy bed messy head and I thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard I yeah. that was my response and same thing I went home and I was like my it was a mess my room was a mess and i it's like and it starts there it's just like my buddy said you know and that's that's it and it's the same thing yeah. like and it's not to impress anybody else it's just a way of saying i re have respect for my life yes and my sleep is a practice and i yeah. spend my life here and this is a, this is a safe this like if you imbue it, that's the thing. When we have too much stuff, it's hard to do. But if you really love your bed, mm -hmm. if you really, fuck, I always say to people, you want to get sober? Floss. And my buddy goes, better than that, floss one tooth. You'll end up doing all of them. <laughs> I like that. And there really is like those little things where you're like, man, everything matters. The space between my teeth, my skin, all of that. You know, and then you start to realize, like, yeah, man, make the bed. Yeah. You know, have three pair of shoes instead of 15. You know, yeah. be able to see all your clothes. That's a thing somebody told me. You know, be able to see all of them. Then you, and anything you see, oh, I thought there was anything you see you don't like, get rid of it. Yeah. You know, because uh, then the things you have are special and they matter. And I know that sounds weird, but I have t shirts that I'm like, no, 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 that's not that one. Put it here. That's mine. I got it. I'll fold it. I got to fold that because it's part of the team. Greg Barrett, uh, also want to plug your, uh, you're putting a, a new podcast 
together. I don't know how widely available it will be when this airs, but uh, right now it's it's being called PodCan. Well, PodCan is the network, and it's available. It, that's the that's the that's the like PodCan uh, uh, Productions or whatever. That's the label. Oh, okay. And I'm doing a podcast with my wife there, and that podcast is called "You're Living All Over Me." I'm doing a podcast with my friend Kay Hanley, who's the lead singer of Letters to Cleo, and it's about rock documentaries, and it's called Take Your Dock Out and Rock. No, it's called Rock Out With Your Dock Out. I always get the name wrong. And then I'm doing, there's a guy, I, it's a guy I'm friends with. Hey, I kind of, we do a podcast. His name's Paul Gilmartin. Doesn't ring a bell. I know. Wait. Chiseled? Yes. Tough? Very tough. Oh, he has a bed that's made? He's got a... Yes. Makes his bed every day. That guy. That's me. Oh, fuck. That guy is awesome. Do uh, do we have a name for... uh, Oh, we haven't figured it out yet. We don't. Uh, But I'll put a link so people can listen to it. Um, Yeah, put a link. Is there a name for the episode where we talk about pillowcases? I think I called it... Um, I think I called it Bear Gill Mountains Pillow Sweat Reducer. <laughs> it, but, yeah. I don't know if I've ever laughed as much as I did in that hour with, that was with a good, you. Oh, my so, God. That was a good hour. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. We talk about... That was my podcast reaction to your podcast, where I was like, you're coming over, yes. and we are talking about horseshit. You're yes. going to clear your head with... We're, it's going to be foul and uh, inappropriate, inappropriate, gross, and, graphic, and yeah. hopefully funny. Yeah, and then we'll end up talking about something serious because we're both yes. we're both uh, serious men. But uh, yeah, and it's good, and people like it. Yeah, because it's straight up stupid. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Bear Gill Mountains. I keep changing it every time. <laughs> Gilly, Gilly Bear Mountains. Pillow sweat reducing cream. We sell a series of creams, Paul and I do. They're salves and lotions. That's what it is. It's a thing for you and I to sell our lotions. Yeah, to yellow your pillowcase. Yeah, a lot do, of people go can't, ahead and pre- can't get it. Can't, can't get it that pure yellow. No, they can't. They want it. Yes. And you wonder how do those stains come out of my head? Well, listen yes. to the podcast. We're going to teach you not yes. only how, but you can pre-stain. Yes. Right. Uh, you can add a color if you yes. want. We're going to show you. Yes. We have. We've got. Um, uh, uh, we've got colors that you can buy from yes. us. You will have you will have people asking you, "How did your pillow get hepatitis?" That's right. That's right. And how many how many pillow cases do you go through a month? Okay. Uh, and we're going to teach you all the different tricks that you can uh, how to make uh, okay. how to make your nap really smell. You know, if you think your nap stinks now, wait till you get us to teach you how to really stink up a nap. What'd you say? You like to nap. You, you, you've done some naps where it looks like a crime scene. I can't remember. You'll have to go to the podcast, but it was vivid. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get into that stuff. Sloth, avarice. Uh, we go into all the sins. Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. It was a blur. It was a blur. Gluttony. We're going to, you might be thinking of the Bible. Oh my God. Wait, which one do, which one did we do? We did the New Testament. Oh, okay. Oh, I yeah. love that one. Yeah. That one's good. Greg Barrett. I For love all it. our Lutheran fans, 
I love you, buddy. Thanks I love for, you too, thanks man. Thanks for coming on. What a special, special man. Uh, and by special, I mean stupid. Um, <laughs> why was I afraid to be vulnerable right there? We're just coming out of an interview where we get vulnerable and we talk about our feelings. We we express our love for each other. And then I go and fuck it up. <laughs> oh, I didn't fuck it up, did I? I don't think I fucked it up. Uh, in my mind, I'm either a monster or I'm a sap. <laughs> I'm never anything in between. Uh, this episode will soon be transcribed and available on our website. Many thanks to uh, Accurate Secretarial for donating their time and uh, helping out the show. Uh, and any of the links that you've heard mentioned uh, on the podcast uh, will be on our website uh, underneath uh, show notes. Uh, but the show ain't over. For those of you that are new to the podcast, we've got uh, I've got some uh, anonymous surveys to read, and um, we're not going to do any shame and secret surveys. I wanted to keep this one kind of on the light side. Uh, but next week's guest is uh, the Queen of Darkness. Uh, Caitlin Doty is uh, is going to be the guest, and I think I'll even make the surveys uh, dark for that one. What a great interview that that was with her. Um, I know she's got a big following. She's she's an author, and uh, if her name doesn't ring a bell, she's an author, um, and she is a mortician, and um, great sense of humor, and um, yeah, definitely check that one out. Um, before I get to the surveys, I want to remind you guys that there is a couple of different ways to support the podcast if you feel so inclined. You know, we do uh, sometimes have advertisers on the show, but um, they kind of come and go, and it's not enough to support the show, uh, not nearly enough. We need uh, monthly donors, and um, uh, Patreon is a great way uh, to become a monthly donor. I'll put the link on our on our website, and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month, and every little bit counts. Um, you can support us by giving a one-time donation through uh, through PayPal. Oh, and the the nice thing about if you become a monthly donor through Patreon is that uh, I can give you free rewards, bonus content, you know, silly videos, um, stuff like that. Um, you can also support us um, by using our uh, link for Amazon, and then if you buy something, Amazon will give us a couple of uh, uh, couple of bucks, and it doesn't make the price of what you're buying any more expensive. Um, you can support us non-financially by going to iTunes, giving us a good rating, writing something nice about the show, and spreading the word uh, through social media about the podcast. That that definitely helps a lot. Um, Let's get to the surveys. This is an awful some moment, and for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with the, the term, uh, it's something that was awful at the time, but looking back on it, there's something kind of so fucked up that it makes you laugh, or there was something kind of sweet uh, in it. I don't know why I emphasize the word sweet so hard. That was, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, this, this is an awful some moment filled out by Swedish Fish. And uh, she writes, Things were extremely tense between my mother and I for some time, and she drove 500 miles to my house to, quote, straighten this out as it couldn't continue, unquote. I was in my 30s and had never heard her say the words, I love you, not once. It wasn't just the words that I was starving for, it was the affection and knowing I was lovable. 
I confessed to my mother that I never felt loved by her. She snapped at me. Well, you were wrong. I love all my children. When I confided in my good friend, my friend burst out laughing at the absurdity of the situation. Uh, I actually like to tell people they're sexy as I push them out of a moving car. I think it's good to keep people off balance. Uh... This is a happy moment filled out by Kirsty, and she writes, For the past few weeks, I've been waking up feeling extremely anxious, feeling like I'm trapped in my head. I forced myself to go walk in the garden, uh, the gardens near my flat, and the beauty was so simple, yet it completely stilled my mind. The autumn colors of the leaves changing, going through the big piles of leaves of the grass like I used to, uh, or the grass like I used to as a child, petting dogs, feeling the breeze whip through my hair. I felt alive, I felt safe, and I felt like myself. Thank you for that. You know, the thing I love about a lot of the happy moments that you guys fill out, and uh, it's probably why I read them so often, are the really subtle ones where it's just somebody being present. And 90% of being, having a good life is being present for it. Yet it's so hard. It is so hard. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by, um, let me, let me, let me, oh, let me see what I can do for you. It's all letters run together is one thing, so that was a little little hard to uh, to decipher. And uh, she writes about her anxiety. I overanalyze situations because I'm scared of what will happen if I'm not prepared for it. Oh my God, do I relate to that one. Uh, about her love addiction. I want to know everyone loves and cares for me, but I'm so scared to disappoint, so I just hide. I swear to God, you you must be living inside my, my brain right now. Um about her sex addiction. Sex feels so good, so let's have more. Um, and living with an abuser, my husband is verbally abusive and I don't believe he realizes it. He makes me feel like I can't do anything right, but I'm so messed up in the head, I don't know if I'm just overreacting. And one of the reasons that I wanted to read this is I have never met a single person that has said such and such is abusive. And they were making it up or they were making too much um, out of nothing. I've never met. Uh, so I have the feeling that you are probably, uh, your instinct is right, and I think it'd be good to go to counseling. It'd be nice to have somebody there who is um, an objective um, mediator and one of the things that I, I think is really important is if you're in a marriage and one person wants to go to counseling and the other person doesn't, I think it's extremely healthy for the person that wants to go to counseling to say, well, then I want out of this marriage if you're not willing to work on it. Uh, because a lot of times the person that doesn't want to go to counseling is the person who deep down knows that they are being controlling and or abusive and they have the feeling they're going to get called on their shit or they may just not believe in therapy but uh, a willingness to work on stuff is a to me it, it, it is a 
it's the foundation of a healthy relationship. Now, this is an awful some moment filled out by Lavender. And uh, she writes, I was coming out of the shower, wrapped in a towel and ready to head upstairs. My mom came up to me and asked me for a hug. I gave her one, naked, except for the towel wrapped around my body. All of a sudden, she grabbed my hips and ass. I yelped, pushing her away and asked her if she could just, quote, be normal for once. She gave me a long, lingering, wet kiss on the side of my neck as I stood there half naked. Wow. Oh man, that, um, anybody who relates to that, um, you are not alone. You are not alone in that at all. And, and it is a project that I am working on right now is interviewing people who have experienced, um, mothers like that. And, um, email me if you are interested in knowing more uh, about that. This is a happy moment filled out by uh, J-O-R-J-A, Yoria, Joria. Uh, earlier, Earlier this week, my fiance and I were rolling around in bed, joking around and laughing and kissing. We were so happy. Then we both said basically the same thought at the same time. We are acting just like an early scene in a movie where life is fantastic and then one of us gets violently murdered the next day. That was three days ago and we're both still alive. Uh, this is an awfulsome moment filled out by Benandi. And he writes, I'm in the middle of trying to establish care with a psychiatrist slash therapist, and I've been working hard at it for the past few weeks, calling my insurance, calling doctors, finding out my campus uh, only does four sessions before referring off campus, being told doctors aren't taking new patients, don't prescribe the medication I need, missing calls, missing appointments, and all of that mess that is the current state of mental health care in the U.S. In the middle of a phone call to my campus counseling and mental health center, after I'm put on hold, what do I hear? The song Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. I love moments like that when the universe just kind of gives you, gives you a hug and is like, now we're, we haven't forgotten. We haven't forgotten you. Uh, this is an awful moment filled out by Staying Alive, and she writes, A year ago tomorrow, I found my partner after he had committed suicide. Right now, I'm sitting in a park watching the sunset, contemplating our relationship in my life and my life since he died. He got PTSD a year and a half before it killed him, and his mental illness resulted in pretty serious physical illness. During this time, his unhealthy interpersonal tendencies also festered into full-blown abuse. I did everything I could for him, but in the end, I chose myself, and I'm damn proud I did. I've spent the last year putting my life back together. I went for, to PTSD therapy and realized that his behavior was abusive and that I could have died. I forgave myself and stopped blaming myself for it. For most of it, it's a work in progress. So I'm sitting here marveling and mourning, and I glance at the church across the park and see a sign that says, STAY ALIVE, in all caps. It was an anti-texting and driving sign, but it made me start laughing. 
I did stay alive, though some god-awful terrible time, through some god-awful terrible times and experiences, and I'm going to keep staying alive. It's good advice. Thank you for that. I also love the moments you guys fill out that are bittersweet, because so much of life is just just weird combination of bittersweet. Uh, this was filled out by Sabrina. Um, who is French and apologized for her spelling at the top, but uh, your spelling's great. And this is a happy moment. She she lists uh, a couple of them, and uh, she writes, when being outside is not just go from point A to point B as fast as possible without crying, you sicko. <laughs> uh, it's hard to explain. I don't know what it is about that time of the year in the fall. There's a softness to it and heightened senses at the same time. The scent of fresh fallen leaves and lavender bushes. I love it. Just fucking love it. Um, I'm happy when reflections are not torture anymore. That's a really profound one. Um, I love when I'm alone after dark walking in the middle of the road and yet there's no more fears, no more guilt, no more pains. And I love when finally there is empathy. Thank you for that. And then finally, this is a happy moment filled out by uh, a listener who calls herself dark and twisty. And she writes, I've struggled with depression, anxiety, and self-harm for as long as I can remember. High school was extremely hard for me as I couldn't walk the hallways without having a panic attack. Two suicide attempts in high school prompted my steps towards recovery. Uh, inpatient hospitalization and years of therapy have provided me with a toolbox for dealing with my mental illness, but still, it is my decision whether or not I utilize those tools, and too often I don't want to. A couple of months ago, however, I discovered that going for runs was a great way to combat my darkness. By the way, not to be mistaken for having the runs. Two completely, completely different activities. Um... My, that might either be funny or the worst joke ever. My anxiety acts as a wheel in my head that is always turning a million miles a minute, but when I run, that wheel stops. My mind becomes occupied, and it feels though I am no longer stuck in a bleak and scary cave. Plus, after my runs, I feel high on adrenaline and proud that I did what I know is healthiest for me. However, it's always a huge struggle for me to build up the motivation, sometimes ruled by guilt, that allows me to run. There have been many times that I have laid in bed feeling defeated and horrible about myself as I cancel the run I have planned for that day and let my depression win. My happy moment, uh, my ma- happy moment day began with me feeling very heavy as I sunk further and further into my literal bed of despair. As I almost resigned to laying around ruminating for the rest of the day, something in me compelled me to put on my sneakers and running clothes. By the way, if you're going to ruminate, I recommend buying a ruminating sweatsuit. Um, they actually have a ruminating marathon. Uh, <laughs> at the start of it, a guy fires a, a starter's pistol and asks, why does everybody abandon you? Uh, continuing, a few days before, my friend had invited me to run with her across the large uh, four-kilometer bridge in our city, but unfortunately, I had to work, so I couldn't join her. This bridge has been on my mind since that day. I decided that I would cross it, so I get to the bridge, and keep in mind, I am not at all a strong runner. Starting up the hill, 
Uh, watching the cars go by, it felt like an impossible feat, and I tossed around the possibility of calling a taxi to take me home. Instead, I challenged my self-doubt. I put on my headphones and pushed my body until I had gotten to the midway point, the tallest point over the water, where I stopped to catch my breath and admire the view. Suddenly, looking out across my beautiful city, I was overcome with emotion. Then it really hit me. I always thought that if I were standing at the top of a bridge, my intention would be to jump over the edge rather than run across. Tears welled in my eyes as I realized that I felt no urge to die. For the first time since I began cutting my wrists at 11 years old, I did not want to die. I flashed back to high school, sobbing on the couch, paralyzed with depression, thinking I would never make it past 17. And then back to the present, there I was, 21 years old, a college graduate, six years in recovery for self-harm, and running across a fucking bridge. As I sprinted down the bridge and back with tears in my eyes and a shit-eating grin on my face, I felt as though I had run a marathon that I was the first and only person to finish. Despite people of all ages passing by with baby carriages or holding hands with a loved one going on about their daily routine, I threw my hands into the air as I reached the bottom, admiring my own strength and perseverance. This was not just crossing a bridge. This was acknowledging that I had gained a will to live in the process of healing. On the way home, I called my mom to tell her the huge step I had made. We cried on the phone together, and she told me how proud of me she was. This doesn't mean that I don't still have tough days or that I never think about jumping, but it means that I realize I have the capacity to love and appreciate my life. Arguably, the most important piece of advice I've gotten regarding mental health is to treat yourself with kindness and gentleness that you would if you were a child. You would not tell a child they are worthless and that they can't do it. You'd encourage them to try and give them room to grow. I have learned that we are often our biggest enemies, so if we can be more gentle in our own heads, we can find the strength to cross any bridge we come to. I was so beautiful. So beautiful. That's another love that I have is when one of you submits a survey that is so clearly the survey to end the show on. And there's no debate in my mind. Do I read this last one or that? As soon as I read that one, I was like, oh, we got a survey to go out on. Um, thank you uh, to my guest, Greg, to all the people that filled out the surveys, the monthly donors. And um, if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, uh, you are not alone. It's just a lie that your brain is telling you. There is help all around you. There's also other sick people around you who can't be of help to you. But that doesn't mean that there isn't help. You just have to keep looking and uh, you will find it. And you can get to that point where you don't feel alone. And uh, it's a beautiful place to be. And um, I get to experience it almost every day. And um, I never knew it was there. But it is there. And um, thanks for listening. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked up I know in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.